This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mikado and Manning, the weekly Media Week podcast where we talk about television. As well as joining me uh, this week, Andrew Mikado, we've got another special guest, Brian Walsh, the now the Executive Director of Drama at Foxtel. Welcome to you both. Let's um, start with you, Brian. Now, you've uh, just recently announced a new deal with Foxtel, slight change to your title. Just tell us about uh, how, how you uh, will be doing things differently now at Foxtel. Well, it's, um, you know, this is now my 27th year that I've been involved with Foxtel. Um, and I was part of the, you know, the pioneer management team in 1995 that launched the service. And I, I joined the company back then as a consultant. Uh, I still had my own, uh, my own business, my own promotions business going. And uh, for the first 12 months, it was all about launching Foxtel to launching paid television, in fact, um, to the Australian market. And, and in those days, of course, we were in competition with Galaxy and then Optus Vision. And so my first 12 months was really uh, all about promotions and marketing. And Sam Chisholm at the time said to me, look, we need to find a, a program director and I'd like you to come back to me with some names. And so I kept going back to Sam with, you know, names from the industry who had made their mark in the business. And he kept saying, no, 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 you can do better. You can do better. And in the end, I just ran out of names. And he said, well, why don't you do it? And I said, but I'm a publicist, Sam. I've never done television programming. And he said, oh, don't worry. Not many people are watching. So if you, if you make a mistake, no one's going to, no one's going to notice. And, and so I kind of got into the programming, uh, programming role not by design, but by accident. And really for much of the last 27 years, I've been responsible for the programming and the promotions and the publicity and the marketing and the promos and the whole gamut of what goes into making a, you know, a vibrant media company tick. And uh, I still have been, uh, all those years I've been a consultant, I've actually never been an employee but the workload was so consuming that I never had an opportunity to really do the other things that I like to do. And so as I'm moving into this chapter of my life, this chapter of my career, um, I, I, I thought it was time for me to really spread my wings and do some other things. And I have to say that the management team at Foxtel and the directors and the proprietor have been extraordinary and have understood um, that I've wanted to go and do other things. And, you know, look, they we sat down about a year ago and talked about the future and they've been incredibly supportive of, of, of what I've wanted to do. And, um, and I really am very blessed, James, in the sense that they said, look, we, we want you to be, always be part of Foxtel for as long as you want to be part of Foxtel. And if you were to stay on board, what would you do? And drama is my first love and telling Australian stories is my passion. And so that's, that's what it is I wanted to do. And, and we had a lot of really terrific, meaningful, productive discussions. And, and here we are, I've signed a new contract with the company to continue to doing what I love, which is telling Australian stories. And, um, and I will do that. And then in due course, I will get to branch out in the entertainment industry and do a few other things that I want to do before, um, before I, I completely passed the baton on uh, with my working life. So, Brian, when they use this term with you now that you're in charge of 
Foxtel originals. Does that, we know it means drama, but does it also include general entertainment shows that Foxtel makes or are you purely a drama guy now? Yeah, well, you could say my whole life has been drama, Andrew, but <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's, it's very much about scripted. So whether it's scripted comedy or scripted drama, that's the space that, that, um, that I'll be focusing on. And uh, the incoming executive, Marshall Heald, who joined the company from SBS, um, he, will, he will take responsibility for all of the entertainment and unscripted original production, and, which is terrific. I mean, that's his forte. That's what he did at SBS so brilliantly. And I think, um, I think he'll be a great addition to the team. Brian, does this, um, does this mean Foxtel will compete maybe a little bit harder now? Will it have more? Will there be more drama, I guess? Andrew and I have talked about in the past that it seemed to be off the radar a little bit at Foxtel in recent years. Does this sort of acknowledgement now that, yeah, look, you really you really want to be the, the place to go for good Australian drama? Well, I guess the biggest change here, James, is that, you know, previously as, as the Director of Television for Foxtel, my remit was the legacy business, the cable and satellite business, which your listeners would know as being inverted commas Foxtel. What what Patrick Delaney was keen for me to do was to uh, assume responsibility for drama across all of our um, all of our businesses. So, in this new role, I'm responsible for all of the commissions for Binge uh, and all of the commissions for Foxtel. And, the, you know, we may even do some scripted on KO. So I'm really straddling across all three business arms of the Foxtel business, both the traditional pay business and the streaming streaming services. And to answer your question, yes, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that um, Australians are embracing the sort of drama that we've been producing. And we've had a, we've had a few years, our business has been challenged in the, in the last five years, but you know, we've turned the corner and I think getting into the streaming space has made a, a huge difference to, to Foxtel. And we now have, you know, we're reaching almost 5 million subscribers uh, across our various forms, be it Foxtel, KO and, and Binge. And so it, that's a significant number of customers that we have to service. And they absolutely embrace the idea of, of having great drama to watch. And so, yes, you will see from the Foxtel perspective, you will see a step up in what we do. Foxtel's two great dramas, A Place to Call Home and Wentworth, came to an end. But now you seem to have filled that gap. I mean, you've got The 12, which has just started, and I think that's such a classy show. But how thrilling was it for you to be at the Logies and see Heather Mitchell win a Logie Award for Love Me, which I think also, you know, slots into what one of the great Foxtel dramas that has obviously got a few more seasons left in it as well now. Yeah, absolutely, Andrea. And look, I was like most people in the room, just delighted that um, Heather won that Logie. She's so beloved and I can't believe she'd never won a Logie before. And when we were casting for Love Me uh, and we were fortunate enough to get Hugo across the line, I'm old enough to, um, to share with you that I worked on Bodyline as a publicist and that was, when they first, that was when they first worked together, right? So having Hugo in Love Me and reuniting him with Heather just seemed to be a dream come true. And 
although the marketing was skewed very young because it, it was it was a binge priority, you know, this, the A storyline was really around those two characters uh, played by Hugo and, and Heather. And we talk about multi-generational um, family drama. I think Love Me, um, I'm very proud of that commission, Andrew. I, I just think that it was a story of our times and um, I think that uh, it's a franchise that we can continue to build. We announced last week that we're going to do a second season and, yeah, I, I would hope we've got multi-seasons with Love Me. I just think it's um, it's beautifully written. Uh, the cinematography was incredible and when you've got a director like Emma Freeman working on your show, she is the actor's director and we got some su- superb performances uh, on that show because of Emma Freeman. So Love Me is absolutely an established franchise for for uh, for Binge um, and I'm equally as confident about another series that we've commissioned called Colin from Accounts, which was brought to us by Patrick Bramall and Harriet Dwyer and it is charming and funny and warm and engaging and at the recent LA screenings it was absolutely the talk of the town and uh, CBS, uh, who were our partners on that show, are thrilled with it and it will travel around the world. And so I think, you know, it's not, you know, television, there's so much at at risk when you're commissioning, but for Binge to have both Love Me and Colin from Accounts uh, out of the block so strongly is is really terrifically rewarding, absolutely. Um, Brian, you mentioned the Logies there, and both you and Andrew were at the Logies last weekend. I want to come back to that because we'll talk about the Logies. We'll talk about a few other shows that are cropping up at the moment and find out what you watch, Brian, if you, and if you go away from Foxtel very much on your remote control. But um, first of all, a couple of quick things about Foxtel while we're still on it. The, do you have a an overall aim for Foxtel Originals? I mean, we've heard Paramount Plus have released details of 150 shows they want to commission over the next few years. We've had Stan talk about some ambitious, they've talked about over 100 Stan originals too over a number of years. Uh, are you going to just bang out show by show or will there be a point where you, you'll release an overall strategy? Oh, look, I think that um, I think each platform has its own idea of how they want to be seen in market and what their original strategy is. Oh, I can only speak for the Foxtel Group in that we have always prided ourselves on the fact that our dramas are premium, our dramas are quality, our dramas are intelligent. Um, We take the view that our customers uh, embrace the best of television from around the world because we get it from the BBC and HBO. And therefore, our view is on Australian drama, it has to be of that quality because that's what our customers are watching. They're watching some of the best television in the English-speaking world from those two services, HBO and BBC, and therefore we aspire that our Australian dramas should be at that same level in terms of writing, in terms of choice of actors, in in terms of production values. That's where we see ourselves. And whilst we don't have the tonnage that those other platforms might have, I think we have the quality. And at the end of the day, James, um, I take the view that we service customers, not necessarily viewers. These people are paying for the service and they deserve to get top quality. And so I prescribe to the theory that less is more and I'd rather do bespoke 
originals that are top quality, that are memorable, that are noisy, that have cut through and keep our and keep the value equation very strong for our customers. And at the end of the day, you've got to take a helicopter view and you've got to look at the uh, you've got to look at the supply line you get from those internationals and you've got to uh, you know design your locals to you know really sit alongside those imported titles that you're getting so you know foxtel really when you look at the foxtel proposition we know that our customers love sport they love uh, they love lifestyle they demand news they want entertainment and they want quality drama so that is our staple that's what we go to market with and um drama is not the only genre that we commission we commission across the board we do more sport than anybody else in australia we like to think that we stand tall when it comes to lifestyle and of course with all of our news channels we're the one-stop shop for world news so um that's what i think sets foxtel apart Fascinating insights there, uh, Andrew, into what, what Foxtel's going to be doing. I, I love the less is more attitude and it's not going to be a, a competition for who has the biggest. Um, it's going to be have who has the best. Now, I said we'd come back to talk about the Logies. Let's let's go there now. Andrew, What tell us how, how did it feel watching the Logies live up there and did, how did it stand up this year to, to previous years, you think? Um, look, uh, I was at the back of the room, couldn't quite see the stage. I'm not complaining about that, but I was kind of watching it on the monitors. Um, so I can't really talk about how it felt in the room. What I would say is that I think the Logies got really lucky this year, ratings-wise, because it hadn't been on TV for a couple of years. And the ratings were slightly up on 2019, the last time it had aired. And I think they got lucky. Uh I would hate to think, though, that that makes the producers of the Logies think that they could just churn that out next year for four hours and those viewers will come back because, you know, I think it's still an interminably long telecast. You're asking a lot of people to watch a show that goes for four hours on a Sunday night and I thought that the opening was kind of flat uh, and I just think that... We're at the point now that the Logies needs a bomb put underneath it in terms of production and that you'll, you'll remember back at uh, back in the early 2000s when people were saying, oh, the Logies, and then in came Andrew Denton with a fresh set of eyes and boom, his hosting changed everything and suddenly it was a cool show to watch again. I think that's what the Logies needs now. And so I throw to you now, Brian Walsh, if you were to be broadcasting the Logies on Foxtel 2023 and you were in charge of it, what would you do differently in terms of that TV telecast? Well, uh, I'll answer your question by, by saying this. Foxtel is the principal sponsor of ACTA. And so we have an opportunity uh, in December this year with the Actor Awards to present to Australia an awards show and an awards night um, that I think will lift the bar and will be, I think it will embrace all of the ways that Australians are consuming entertainment. I think that what the Logies is, is a night of celebration for free-to-air television. And that's fine as long as we concede that that's what it is. And I think what we saw this year 
is the fact that it was very much about free-to-air TV. It didn't really, I don't think, I don't think it was inclusive of Paramount Plus or Disney Plus or Stan or Foxtel or Binge or KO or any of the number of streaming services that Australians are watching in huge numbers. It felt very old-fashioned to me and the night felt old-fashioned. And look, it's a great night for all of us to get together and and reconnect with our, our colleagues from the industry. But for people watching at home, I think that it, it felt outdated and I've, I, I think it was a wake-up call that we need to do something to improve the writing on these shows. Um, I, I thought the writing was very patchy. I agree with you. I thought the opening was incredibly flat. I thought there were a lot of very flat moments. And it lost its spontaneity. If you were sitting in the room, there were so many teleprompters around that you ended up watching the teleprompters um, rather than the stage. And, you know, there were no exceptions to that. I mean, Bruce McAvaney, that was an incredible moment. I, I thought that was extraordinary and so well-deserved. But the whole night just felt, um, it, felt too, it, it felt too rehearsed. It, it felt it was trying too hard. I don't know why producers insist on putting actors on stage and t- trying to turn them into stand-up comics. Why do that? They're actors. Let them do what they do. I, I, it was way too long. And um, I, I think, look, it's great. It's great. I, I applaud Channel 9 for supporting the event in the way they do. It would have cost them a lot of money. Um, but I don't think it's – I just think it lost. it's lost its relevance. Um there's been a bit of um, disappointment, I think is probably a, a way to put it, of, of the tributes paid or not paid to some programs that ended. That The main one, of course, is Neighbours, which is yeah. which is, which is wrapping up. And that, that got, you know, that there was an acknowledgement that, that the show was not there and there were, but some people think that was not as not as much as they could have done. I think there was no mention of Wentworth, Nine Seasons. That, that show's um, bowed out now. Uh, Doctor Doctor, which is even on Channel Nine, I think five seasons. That's not coming back. I think that was nominated for something too. Uh, I get it that the TV wants to focus on the future they, because it's partly a marketing tool. The show it's it's to get people excited in what's to come. But I'll, I'll ask you both, and maybe start with you, Brian. What did you think about the, the tributes to to shows that are that are departing the scene? Yeah, I thought that was a major disappointment for me, particularly because we had all the cast of Neighbours in the room. I mean, what would it have taken just to let them come up on stage and have their moment? After 37 years, a show that has generated so much employment in Melbourne for technicians, for camera operators, for writers, directors and actors, that show has given so much to the Australian industry um, over its 37 years one of the first shows to export successfully to the UK and it was given a 30-second sizzle reel on TV's Night of Nights. I, I was I was shocked and I know the cast are very upset about the fact that it was it was just so dismissive. And you know, if we're going to if we're going to celebrate success on a night like that at the Logies, then for goodness sake, please let a show that's entertained audiences for 37 years, have its moment and take a bow. Yeah. The Neighbours cast have absolutely every right to be upset, you know, Brian. They were told to arrive on that red carpet first. 
So they had to walk down at four o'clock in the afternoon. They then had to wait two hours uh, for the, everybody else to arrive. They were then shown to the worst table in the room. They weren't sitting on the main floor with everybody else. They were sitting up the back with the judges, the prize winners and people from SBS. And to make things worse, there was not one but two cameras in front of Stefan Dennis and Ryan Maloney and the rest of the cast so they couldn't see what was happening. It was an absolute disgrace. And that clip package is one of the laziest Neighbours tributes I've ever seen. And I agree with you. The show ran for four freaking hours. It would have taken two minutes for the cast to have come up on stage. And I know for a fact that one of the best actress nominees turned to the person next to her during the clip package and said, when the cast of Neighbours walk out on stage, we're standing up to give them a standing ovation because it was just assumed in the room that they were going to come out and get a curtain call. It was disgraceful that the way Neighbours was treated after 37 year years. It's the longest running drama in Australian TV history. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, look, I can tell you that after this year, we'll make a point of giving giving neighbours the farewell it, it it so richly deserves because that was a mistake. That was a that was a huge mistake on Sunday night. Absolutely, I agree. Okay, yeah, interesting um, to get the thoughts of uh, both of you guys. Of course, Andrew, you've been around Neighbours uh, since it started as a uh, as a critic and um, time spent working in the industry. And Brian, of course, you were there helping uh, launch it when it uh, moved from seven to ten. Look, let's, uh, let's help save the show from being axed for a second time. If it wasn't <laughs> for Brian Walsh, Neighbours would have gone down the gurgler on Channel Ten within six months. It's Brian convincing the Daily Mirror to infer that. Teen sex was happening on TV <laughs> on that front page headline that saved the show. Am I right, Brian? Yeah, you are right. In fact, I recall um, I went down to the set a few weeks ago to reunite with um, some of the cast and uh, we were talking about the fact that it almost got axed for a second time and I recall being called into the boss's office at Channel 10 uh, in Sydney and t was told it had four weeks and if the, the ratings didn't lift, it would go for the second time. And, you know, I was the head of publicity for the network at the time and when we launched the show, we embraced all of the, all of the actors, all of the characters and, and, and did a traditional launch, if you will. Um, but when the show wasn't working, we very quickly switched our attention to the younger members of cast because I felt that the groundswell of support would be around those particular characters, those actors. And uh, I think it's probably well documented now that every weekend I would airlift the cast from Melbourne up to Sydney in particular, because Sydney was the Sydney was a market where it wasn't working. It was doing okay in Melbourne, but it was really soft in Sydney. So each weekend I brought them up on a Friday night and Saturdays they would appear at Westfield Shopping Towns. On Sundays we would do radio promotions we did a huge competition called Nominate Your Neighbour where we literally gave away thousands of TV sets um, with the neighbours' cast knocking on front doors and handing out TVs. And uh, uh, we could start to see the ratings move. And I remember at the time uh, uh, with the shopping centre appearances, I went and got a film crew to record the hysteria that was happening at the various malls and I cut that down into a short sizzle reel and sent it to every newspaper editor in Australia. And it was the editor of the afternoon tabloid in Sydney, the Daily Mirror, 
who called me and said, I've got your sizzle reel. I took it home and showed my 16-year-old daughter and she said, Dad, the man from Channel 10's right. All the kids at school, all they do is talk about neighbours. And so that editor, Roy Miller, called me and said, if you can get me a tantalising photo, I'll put it on the front page of the Daily Mirror. And so I went and approached the head of drama for the network, Valerie Hardy, and said, I need a saucy photo of a couple of the kids. And that front page did a run. It ran literally the next week. And the photo was of Scott and Charlene, uh, Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue in school uniform who'd run away and booked a motel room for the night. And uh, I got that magic photo of them and uh, in an embrace. And the headline read, TV shock, teen sex on 10 tonight. And I've still got that front page frame because that was the moment when the show turned and the ratings took off. And here we are 37 years later tying the bow on the box. Fascinating stuff. Look, um, let's, let's talk about some other things that are happening in the world of TV. Brian, do uh, Speaking to people in the industry over the years, a lot of them don't get time to watch sort of live TV like the general viewer. They're often, they've got to preview things, they've got to, you know, do notes. Read about. scripts. Yeah, exactly. Do you, does that what dominates your sort of time or do you get time some evenings to sit down and flick around channels and watch sort of live TV if you like? Rarely I do. I mean, I... Um... <laughs> My guilty pleasure in the last fortnight, uh, and it, mean, it means that I've been getting to sleep at like 1.30 in the morning, but I'm addicted to watching Parkinson on the ABC. Um, so as part of ABC celebrating 90 years, they're running all the old Parkinson shows, and it's such an amazing uh, lens on Australia back in the 80s. And last, you know, in the last couple of nights, last night, um, Parky had, when I watched the show last night, he had Malcolm Fraser and, and Bob Hope. Uh, I think tonight, Shirley Temple Black. I mean, you know, they used to fly these stars in from all over the world to do the Parkinson show. And he is just one of the great interviewers of our time. And so for me, he, yeah, it's late night TV that I get to watch. And I don't really, uh, I, I just, you know, I like to have something that I can just relax and enjoy. And I love a good interview, and Parky's the best. So that's what I've been watching of late. And you know, we talk, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we, James? Because we were wondering how has the ABC been able to repeat all the episodes of Parkinson in Australia, including the t- two-thirds of them, which were made at Channel 10 when he got snapped up uh, to move from the ABC to 10. And I've been told on Facebook that uh, Parky... Uh, owns the rights to the shows and the ABC negotiated to get all of them. And what a treasure trove of these amazing, iconic, you know, politicians and actors. There's even an episode with a script writer. I mean, you wouldn't see that today, but there's Eleanor Whitcomb who wrote Seven Little Australians, Number 96, Bellbird, being, you know, honoured by Michael Parkinson. You know, the episodes are 40 years old, but I'm with you, Brian. I'm absolutely obsessed with watching them all too. Yeah, and you've got to tip your hat to Parky and his agent, James Erskine, because in all the deals that Parky did, he retained the rights uh, and the intellectual property to his shows. So uh, sadly, when Shane Warne passed away, um, uh, I approached James about, potentially re-licensing the one-hour special that Foxtel produced with Parkey and Shane Warne. And James told me that um, as much as he would have loved to, it was part of a package he was selling 
to another network. And so we can expect to see that extraordinary interview between Parkey and, and Warney come up in the series. But, yeah, it'll be um, – they're up to – I Googled last night to work out where they're up to. So they're in 1983 at the moment. So each uh, a bit, each week we, we gain another year. But it's uh, it's great late-night TV. And, Andrew, doesn't it point to the fact that that's the one thing we are missing on Australian television? is some good interviews and good variety uh, late night. I mean, gosh, who would have thought that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, audiences had shows like In Melbourne Tonight and The Bob Rogers Show and, uh, you know, Tommy Leonetti and Joe Martin. They had variety five nights a week on Australian television and now we have none. Uh, and I guess that's what social media and new technology has meant. But it's, uh, it's a shame in lots of respects. Well, Brian, uh, maybe Marshall Howell will listen to this podcast and get maybe a few ideas about <laughs> <laughs> something that might work. Look, some other some other TV that's going on, Andrew. Yeah, so you've been championing Parky for for a few weeks now, and what the ABC's done. There's a couple of other things coming up in the ABC that ABC is celebrating a, a pretty big anniversary in the next few days. Yeah, it's been not. It's their 90th birthday this year, uh, and next week on ABC, they, they go hard with that. Tuesday night, they start a brand-new interview series hosted by David Wenham called The ABC Of, and they get a celebrity to look at archival clips of how many times they've appeared on the ABC over the years. And the first person uh, that he interviews is ABC chair Ida Buttrose, which is very interesting now in retrospect because Ita Buttrose has defended the ABC's recent decision to sack a whole bunch of librarians and archivists at the ABC, and yet David Wenham has come out today in TV Tonight and said that his show, The ABC Of, couldn't have been made without those people telling them where the, the great clips are. And it's all very well to say that everything's digitised, but seriously, millennials can Google things as long as they like. They're not going to find the things that the old codgers like Brian and I are going to remember about the early days of TV. So I think it's really important. It'll be very interesting to see whether or not the ABC sticks by that decision. The other thing they'll do next week is they'll have a big celebration on Thursday night, celebrate ABC. 90, which will be uh, hosted by Zan Rowe and uh, Logie Award winner for Most Popular New Talent, the great Tony Armstrong. And then to finish off the week on Friday night, Lee Sales will farewell 7.30 after 11 years and they'll have a one-hour special for her on Friday night. So it's a big week for the ABC. Happy 90th birthday, Auntie. Uh, Well, she just on the ABC. I mean, you probably compete more with them than some of the commercial networks when it comes to quality drama. I'm thinking of things like a new season of Mystery Road, um, um, shows like that, that, that probably would only ever be either on the ABC or perhaps Foxtel. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's, that's what the ABC should be doing with the taxpayer dollar. Um, and with this new government, they'll have, you know, more resources than they've had for quite a while. So, I applaud what they're doing in the drama space. Uh, Sally Riley's the head of drama for the ABC. Her ambition is to have a drama, Australian drama, on Sunday nights every week of the year, and that's that's terrific. And, look, you know, I think the ABC do, in the drama space in particular, do some extraordinary things. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I think that, you know, ABC and Foxtel are really the two homes of, of, of 
great storytelling, uh, great Australian storytelling on, on television. And I don't ever want to see us competing. We should be working in, we should be working closely with each other to ensure that we each can produce some outstanding television. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I just think that all of us in the industry need to be working harder at preserving our, our culture through great storytelling. And so for me, whether it's the ABC or any of the commercial networks or our colleagues at Stan, um, we want, we, it's so important with global streamers doing what they do. It's so important that we preserve our identity through the stories we tell and there's room for everybody and we should be sensible about those things rather than being competitive and silly. Uh, Andrew, something that you alerted me to this week, it's, a, um, it's actually launched on the BBC earlier this year, a psychological thriller called Chloe. I think it's coming up on Amazon Prime. Erin um, Doherty, who a lot of people might remember from uh, The Crown, is the, the star in this one. And I've got to say, gee whiz, th- this impressed me. This, um, I, I think there's going to be six episodes. Oh, I, I wanted to watch more. I watched the first one, but... I didn't want to watch any more because I was too scared that I might blurt out what would happen <laughs> because it's one of those shows that, that just really got me in and just makes me want to watch all of them. Yeah, I think it's such a great drama for now because it's about an office worker who uh, spends all her time on social media kind of stalking other people and she's fascinated with this uh, woman and the woman dies and so she assumes a new identity to infiltrate her friends who are grieving the death. I too just watched the first episode and just thought, wow, this is, you know, this is just so now. How many people are doing this right now on social media? So I think it's going to have a lot of appeal. And uh, Chloe starts on Amazon Prime uh, this week and I think it'll be a big hit for them. Yeah, look. How do you get to watch all these shows? How do you get to watch all these shows? With There's so many platforms. I don't know how you guys fit it in. Well, we've got a we've got a rule, Brian. We try to watch at least the first or the first two episodes of everything to talk about. Uh, and then in my head, I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, I'm coming back to finish that later, or I'm not coming back." You know, that's. But James and I always get to the end of the year going, "Oh my God, look at this list of shows we liked but never got time to finish." So that's the truth. We we we're not getting to finish a lot of them. Well, that'll be, I think that'll be the key, won't it, at the end of each year to go back and ask Andrew Mercado and James Manning, well, what, are, what are the shows that you finished? Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, it was good getting you on this week, uh, Walshy, actually, because it, it lets me off the hook a little bit. There's a, there's a few things that I haven't caught up with which I can sort of um, delay, <laughs> uh, delay until next week, and some of those are that uh, a new uh, Maya Rudolph series coming on Apple TV Plus called Loot which looks pretty funny. It's about a billionaire turned philanthropist, so we'll get to that next week. Um, I I came across something called Standing Up, which is the follow-up to um, what's that series about the actors, the French series, Andrew? Um, I call call my agent. Call my agent. Call my agent, yeah. It's the the, the creatives who worked on that. It's a new series. They've put together about four comedians finding their way in the industry in Paris nightclubs. That looks really good. That looks really good. good. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's excellent. So we'll get to that. Something we promised Andrew we'd probably try and get up 
to speed with this week was Jerry and Marge Go Large, a movie on Paramount Plus, uh, Brian Cranston and Annette Benning. I watched it. Look, it's, it's not going to be film of the year, but I just thought it was a great little watch. It's a real feel-good movie. Um, did you have time to, to tune in? No, I haven't had time, James. <laughs> There, it's about it's a guy who who um, he, he's good at maths. He retires after a, about forty years working for the Kellogg Company. It's based on a true story. Um, he 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 was bored and he was just trying to work out what he would do. And he was just looking at the the lotto one day came on the TV and he he worked out he found a loophole in the state lottery. Anyway, he ended up winning um, millions of dollars for him and his little um, group of of um, sort of retirees and, and friends in this sort of small town, Massachusetts. And it's just a great, a great yarn. So it's, it's well worth a look. Um, Walshy, do you get to sort of watch much that's not connected with your job? I mean, you mentioned Parky. Can you enjoy, do you get a chance to look at any of the other streaming platforms? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I often say to my staff, we've got the best job in the world because we spend our working time making other people's leisure time more enjoyable. So really every bit of television I watch is for work. You could look at it, you know, through that lens, but I've really enjoyed, I love hacks. Um, I like anything that Andrew Mercado recommends usually when he drops me an email and a note and say, and says to me, BW, you've got to watch this particular show. Um, I like, I like watching sports. Um, I like news and current affairs um, but I, yeah, I move around all the platforms. I think it's imperative. That's, we you know, that's, you've got to watch stories from all around the world to help inform your own storytelling, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I have a long list. Um, every time I go out and have dinner with friends, they'll always give me something, you know, to watch. Uh, and that's my, that's what I do in my downtime. I just try and catch up. Andrew, might just just tick off a couple of things from your list too if you want to mention them or maybe push them to next week, that uh, the Stan Docco revealed, no mercy, no remorse. Yeah, this is the story of the Frankston serial killer and it's so chilling. I mean, you see the police tapes of this guy being brought in for questioning and if you remember back in the 90s, three women were killed within six weeks in uh, Frankston and this guy actually admits to being at the site of every murder in precise details, but he's always got an alibi. Oh, I was there because my car broke down and I was using this screwdriver. It's just so chilling to watch him so calmly sitting there coming up with these reasons as to why he was there at the site of every murder. And clearly he's done it, but the police just have to kind of extract the information from him. So I think that's a really strong entry for the true crime genre that Stan have released today. Revealed, no mercy, no remorse. And uh, something Binge and Foxtel subscribers will be able to get into very shortly, uh, I think from producer Eva Longoria, the Gordina Chronicles. Gordita Chronicles, oh, I Gordita. think it is. Okay. 
Yeah, it's about a, a family that moves to Miami in the 80s. I think it's just dropped today. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but whenever I see executive producer Eva Longoria, I watch it. You know, because the one of the last shows she exec produced was Grand Hotel, which starred Lincoln Yowns, uh, the Australian actor. And he came up to me at the Logies uh, and I had a chat with him and, you know, you know, I sh- I was I, I didn't say to him, oh, yeah, I love that show because, you know, he does so many great Australian shows. But, yeah, Eva Longoria, if her if she's on it, I'm going to be watching that Gordita Chronicles on Binge. Um, well, she just 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 quickly before we wrap up today, uh, Binge has obviously been a very big success for as part of the Foxtel group. Um, how much of that is just down to price and how much it is to do with the content? I'm not going to give you the marketing line, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is the world's best entertainment for $10 a month. There you go. I said it. <laughs> it look, it's um, why has it fired uh, so successfully? I think that's because um, it does have that incredible uh, HBO output deal and the library content on it is the best television, all the classics, all the evergreens. And, you know, we've seen with, with, with streaming services around the world that, you know, people love the, the shows that pop. They love the new, the new uh, dramas, the new comedies. But, you know, if you want to have a lean back experience, it's those serv- streaming services that have the deep libraries that are really connecting with customers. And that's what Binge can boast. They have an incredible, incredible library of evergreen and classics and, you know, that combined with all of the great titles they're getting from HBO and our originals is why that service has really resonated. And you know what, James, it's a completely different segment to the customers who have Foxtel. So that was the one gap in the market that we identified. And the consumers who have binge have either never had Foxtel because for a variety of reasons, they may not have been able to afford it or it's just never been right for them. Um, so we found a sweet spot and, you know, it's sitting now at well over one and a half million customers and it doesn't compete with Foxtel. We, you know, there's been no cannibalization, both the traditional Foxtel business and the binge business are working side by side very successfully. And they've got a great, they've got a great head of, uh, content there, Alison Hubert Burns and a great marketing team. And, uh, you know, they, um, you know, there was a, a great expression that Sam Chisholm used to say to me, uh, who was one of my mentors in my career, which is compete by day, dine by night. And interestingly, that's kind of the dynamic that the Foxtel and Binge teams have. They compete for their respective audiences, but they work very much together as a collaborative team. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think that's why the businesses are doing so well. Brian, sometimes I get confused uh, when I'm writing about new shows, particularly the ones that are starting on both, say, Fox Showcase and Binge. And I think, what will I say? Will I say this is on this or will I say that? And sometimes I just go, I'm just going to put Foxtel because, and I actually asked one of your marketing team at the Logies, I said, what should I do? And he said, look, go back to the original press release and it'll tell you there on the press release uh, what we consider the priority for that show. But, you know... What, what do you uh, want me to write with a show that starts screening on both Foxtel and Binge on the same day? Where should I say it is? I think you should always put the customer first. 
And I think it's all about truth with information. So if the fact is that the show is running on both Fox Hill and Binge, that's how you should credit it. Okay. Um, in, the, in the first 12 months when we were launching Binge, we wanted, to, we wanted Binge to have its own identity and, uh, and to own some titles. But now that they're both mature businesses, you should just tell uh, your, your audience, your market, where they can find them. So crediting, and I wouldn't even go into Fox Showcase, I would just put Foxtel and Binge. Got it. We've got that, Andrew. Look, we've had the message from the top there. We know what to do now. So uh, thank you for that, Walsh. Look, <laughs> it's, it's been great having you on today, Brian. Look, there's much else we could talk about. We might save that for a, for, for another podcast, perhaps. Look, congratulations on your new deal with the platform. I think the viewers will be uh, glad that you're staying around. Um, we're enjoying the 12. We look forward to how that might um, un, un, uh, unwind over the next few weeks. And we look forward to the next commission announcements. Uh, Andrew, always great to catch you. We can read your columns every Friday in Media Week. Anything you wanted to point out for next week? Uh, no, I think I'm right. Uh, there'll, be a, there'll be a whole... Uh, I should talk out the fourth series of Westworld begins on Binge and Foxtel next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> That's my tip. Fantastic. It looks it looks very ambitious too. This series, I've only seen the trailer so far, but the it's uh you you, you just wonder at how much they spent on that show. But um, we'll we'll be reviewing that very shortly. Look, this has been the uh, Media Week Mikado and Manning podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>